This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Welcome back to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nick Ashburn. And I'm Catherine Klein. And we have had a kind of newsy, I I would say newsy show so far. While our listeners may be like, well, we talked about prison reform, we talked about recidivism, but it was also sort of in the context of this First Step Act that's in front of Congress. So it's very topical, and we're moving into another very topical contemporary issue, and that's affordability in healthcare yeah. and you know open enrollment you have a couple of days left to to sign up right um, reminder so, get your health insurance at, you know right this it's, it is so important to be I, yeah and i i feel like i was reading a statistic that it's down uh you right. know enrollments are down from this time last year so um, i'm sure we'll get into that a little bit with our next guest uh who is Dalaur Syed who's the president and ceo of Lumiata Lumiata provides artificial intelligence powered AI powered predictive analytics for managing healthcare costs and risk. The company serves payers, population health organizations, physicians, and digital health companies. Delauer is a friend of the Wharton School and and someone that Catherine and I recently met with out in San Francisco. So welcome to the show, Delauer. Great to be back here, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this morning. I know it's early out there on the West Coast. It's early on the West Coast. But yes. <laughs> yes, but it is. Uh, it's a good topic to be talking this morning. Absolutely. So let's start. You know, sort of at the beginning. You are an alum of the Wharton School. Um, you know, what what's your sort of professional background since business school? Uh, sure, absolutely. Um, I, I've been in technology uh, since leaving business school. Um, I went came back to to the Bay Area. I worked in enterprise software companies, uh, building products, uh, companies like Siebel, and then I went to Yahoo to lead Yahoo's platform um, uh, strategy and operations. And most recently, I was uh, president of a company called Freshworks. It's a late-stage software company serving CRM software worldwide. Uh, we scaled the business very nicely. And then just uh, about a year ago, under a year ago, I, I joined Lumiana as its, uh, its CEO. So that's been my journey, very much across both consumer tech and enterprise software. Uh, and now I just wanted to do something, quite frankly, more purposeful, uh, leveraging all, all those great learnings over the years and my and my business school education at Wharton um, to in, in the field of healthcare. Uh, Delauer, let me um, ask you a, a little bit about that trip before we dig into Lumiata. Uh, you know, I love your description of this as a as a per- purposeful company. Good, good fit for dollars and change. Good fit for dollars and change and the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. That's right. That's what we're we're all about. I would love it if you would describe for us and for our listeners a little bit more about the the transition here. You you know you led. You were president of at, at Freshworks uh, and then. And then you took over as um, the uh, president and CEO of Lumiata. How does that, you know, l- l- spell out for us how that transition happens? You know, are you, is this, does this mean you're sitting at Freshworks and you're thinking, you know, not the right guy for the job anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm bored. I'm done. I'm not succeeding. I've done everything I wanted. That sounds like a very organizational psychologist-driven question. You know, occasionally question. I am that way. I just, <laughs> I confess, right? That is the background. You know, so what is, what happens, um, you know, you're fired, you're, pro- whatever, what happens in this? And then it says, oh, there's this company down yeah. the street that I'm going to take care over. And, you know, like that's a big, big transition at the top. We all have job transitions. We don't all have transitions right. as presidents of the company. So fill us in. 
Right, that's a great question. Thank and you. <laughs> uh, let me let, let, let me say it was not any of um, the company not doing well, or, or I am not feeding him at all. Fresh Rose is doing exceedingly well. I have scaled the business from a when we were only fifty people in India to you know twelve hundred people globally. Um, you know where where the company's got now. 150,000 customers worldwide. You know, we were like 8,000 when I started. It was just incredible role. Uh, hugely, uh, I would say, great privilege to be a very passionate team globally. But that transition that you're referring to, to let's say, jump not only a company but also, if you will, uh, an industry. Mm. That that started much earlier. Um, you know, I've always had a, a strong feeling that we as entrepreneurs and leaders got to play a broader role than, than you know, just if you want creating businesses and, and obviously certain shareholders and making folks uh, do well, uh, there is a broader uh, broader thing we could do. And so I have had, a, if you will, a civic track in my life. I served uh, as an advisor in the Obama administration um, and as on the on Asian American commission. And as part of that work, you know, healthcare was, if you remember at the time, you know, obviously it was a big uh, initiative for for the president, and there was a lot of momentum about healthcare reform. And I saw, close and personal, the um, you know the challenges in this in this space, and how complicated and how big and messy it is. And even when an administration put its entire weight on it, what a what a difficult path that was uh, into the rollout. So I found like, look, um, I've done a couple of decades of. I've been very lucky to have great roles in great organizations. I've built small companies to big companies. I've been at big companies launching. You know, very, very interesting initiatives. Why not put all of that to a broader use? Well, obviously, we're a business. We are venture backed. Uh, we are delivering analytics and software to large health plans. But there's a, but that means to a much, much broader end. And 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 if we could be part of that broader, broader solution on healthcare, you know, that'd be very gratifying. So that transition, you know, started to take place a while back. I felt that I could be doing more with what I had learned than just, if you will. Um, scaling a business, which in itself is very, very fulfilling, and it's a big job, uh, but um, all companies can have impact. Uh, and we certainly are having our own freshworks, but I found the impact that a health tech companies can have in terms of, let's say, bending the cost curve in our case, that is that is um, transformational uh, in a much deeper way. So it wasn't one day, one moment, one time. It was something that I felt that at some point I would want, I would want to do something that has a more of a dollar and change, if you will, element <laughs> to it, uh, inherently more. Well, right. and Delauer, I hope this isn't too personal bringing it on the radio, but you know, when you mentioned to Catherine and me when we were speaking in person about your time in business school and and the year that you were in business school, some significant things happened and you felt that that had impacted some of your your goals and how you viewed business. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. It's, um, you know, it's not, you know, it obviously is personal, but I think it's important. It's part of our history. Um, uh, so to share with everybody out there, um, our first day of uh, recruiting in the second year uh, at, at Wharton was 9-11. Um, the world shut down, as we know, and changed uh, that that tragedy. We lost alumni in that tragedy. Um, you know, Wharton is obviously a competitive place. You got a, a bunch of super A type personalities, but I, I do think it just changed uh, just the way we the way we thought about business, uh, the way we thought about each other, and um, you know, it had an impact on the class. You know, in some real ways. Uh, you know, over time, everybody has done well, but I do think, um, at least for myself and many of my friends, it it, it sort of 
broaden your thinking to, um, you know, we, we, we have a bigger role to play here as business leaders in the making, if you will, and as entrepreneurs. So that absolutely that event, um, you know, made us pause literally in a, in a real way and think about things that are, that are important. Um, and, you know, so our class, I have to say, you know, if we go back, it's one of the most engaging, um, you know, um, uh, batches in Wharton's history in terms of giving back and so forth. Uh, we just had a 15-year reunion a couple of years ago, raised the record amount of money for the school to support um, students in financial aid and so forth. So I'm glad you brought it up. You know, that is still the, the thing that I think about Wharton. Um, it, it's obviously at a great time there otherwise, but it, it is the experience we went through and what Philadelphia went through and, and, and the whole country, if not the entire world. So transitioning a little bit back to Lumiata, we described it as artificial intelligence powered predictive analytics. This all sounds very Wharton-y. Um, <laughs> but maybe for our listeners, you know, it, it's a little abstract. So can you help us better understand sort of what Lumiata does and, and how technology is, in, is helping it? Absolutely. Um, so the, the business goal that we're serving and the, and the objective that we're serving is we are helping health plans modernize uh, uh, how they go to market uh, with health plans that are uh, that make use of the data uh, in a in a more informed way and uh, they are designed in a in a in a in a way that speaks to the needs of patients and employers today um, as well as they can manage costs more appropriately so what we deliver is uh, to large health organizations we deliver um, risk and cost predictions so for example what Nick and Catherine's spend might be based on uh, based on let's say your claims and, and your broader history and so forth and we believe that information can be uh, as I mentioned earlier useful in in having a more nuanced view of the cost quite frankly in the absence Absence of um, use of you know, data in a proper way and technology and all that technology affords us as businesses to be able to you know project. Um, often these organizations are are having a much more ad hoc uh, um, approach to uh, uh, you know cost. Uh, it out of fear, you know somebody may have a large claim, so let's just raise their rates by three x or four x or five x. Um, there is no often a rationale for it, and there hasn't been an innovation in this space uh, almost in decades. You know, it's primarily actual methods and some legacy software and silo data that's locked in across organizations. So what we do is we bring all of that to light, and we provide a, a, a data-driven, a very scientific approach to it using our incredible data science teams and our models to more accurately predict where you are into the real risk and potential cost. And what we're seeing with that, Nick, is that is leading to, in many cases, cost being reduced. Because what we have seen is, as you know, you know, both as consumers and business owners, you know, every year we're just seeing the rates go up. And often they can't even explain to you why that happened when you have the same group. There's no changes in your employer group, uh, but you see things going up. And a, a, a number that I'll share with you, the insurance premiums for a family of four are roughly $20,000 a year. That, were, that number was 7000 in 1999. So you had a 3x increase over the last 20 years. Uh, 20K, just insurance premiums, and I'm not talking about other out-of-pocket costs. Uh, so if you're a working family, uh, you can imagine what happens. And if you are an employer who is 
uh, paying most of those premiums, you can imagine what a big burden on your P&L that is. So what we're hoping is by informing cost in a, in a much more data-driven way, um, by helping modernize these, these health plans and other organizations, we can be part of a solution of bending the cost curve. The cost will go, still go up because we are an aging population. We're consuming more healthcare products, but it doesn't have to go up at this state uh, rate. Uh, that is just simply untenable. We're spending $3.4 trillion, like $11,000 per American per year on healthcare, which is just, um, which just uh, and, and the rate at which it's going up, it, it would just become absolutely untenable for all stakeholders in the industry. So, Dilara, um, you know, as you describe the technology that, that um, you know, your company is uh, creating and, and, and selling, um, talk to us a little bit more about this, the, the impact. I mean, your hope... Right. Uh, You know, your hope is that insurance companies, as I understand it, insurance companies in having better predictions um, about how their members, you know, their members likely healthcare costs, that this leads to um, uh, cost savings for for the consumers. That that's that's the, the benefit you hope to see, that individuals will actually have to pay less because companies will be more realistic about what their costs are. Um, I suppose the other but, but there. I can imagine that there is pushback and some um, arguments of, well, yeah, that might be the case, but instead the companies may um, you know, take advantage of this, uh, try to prioritize patients who are uh, members, you know, insurance uh, carriers who will not have health care costs. Um, you know, is there – how direct are you – do you think that line is from your business to the to the social benefits you've described? And is there pushback? Are there questions? Absolutely, Catherine. We think about that all the time as we work with our customers, and uh, that's a that's a great question. Uh, let me share with you what's happening in reality. Now, when you look at from the healthcare industry standpoint, they, these health plans are facing um, significant competitive pressures in their markets. I mean, the Philadelphia market. There's several big players there, and literally, there's a significant churn. Uh, of employers who are primarily buying insurance on behalf of their uh, employees, saying, look, I, I, you know, when you raise my rates by 10% on average and you can't explain to me what happened, I can't stick with you because I literally will go out of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, when nothing changed in my employer group or employers were self-funding, you know, they, they're looking for better, better ways to make sure they understand what the budget might be. So there is... From, from the business perspective, there is a retention issue here. Um, so there's a choice between... Um, literally losing accounts and uh, employers walking away, either deciding to go self-fund the plan or go to another carrier, um, um, you know, versus, uh, you know, making more, have a more nuanced approach to what the cost might be. Right. So because of that competitive pressure, at the end of the day, the margins are getting squeezed. You're right, absolutely. But people are also, they have choices. And that, that creates a very good incentive to say, well, Let's see if we need to be more nuanced about these cost increases um, versus just, you know, operate out of fear and raise costs and, and, um, and be challenged with this major, major retention issues. Uh, that's why we're seeing so much you know, consolidation in the, on the healthcare side and so forth. So in practice, what we're seeing is there is absolutely openness across these stakeholders now, given the, the persistent issue and retention issue, uh, to adopt into new technologies and, and see whether the pricing makes sense. And it's also the stock pricing. It's also the way health plans are designed. I, I think I'm, I, would, I would assume all of us haven't seen innovation in health plan design. They look like what they look at 20 years ago, even mm-hmm. though our lifestyles have changed, our, our family units have evolved, 
the way we work and so forth, the demographic changes. There's been no, there has been no um, innovation, largely speaking, on, on what these services are. There's also a huge opportunity to do preventive care when you can see there's a potential onset of disease and so forth. All of that is also in the business interest of these stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the technology was never put to use to make that happen. Now that's happening, and as we're working with our customers, we see some of that change uh, happening. But your question is fair, and we are very, very mindful of that. Um, that's why we remind ourselves every single day what our mission is. Um, so that's 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 the other side, if you will, uh, which which I think where the world is going. And, and I would say it's more the reality that we're seeing, necessarily the hope. Um, otherwise, uh, obviously, this would be a difficult situation to be in where you know, technology could be used to take people. Right. Well, you, you make us you make us optimistic. It's good. It's a good note to make us optimistic about the you know cost costs and quality of healthcare in this in this country that things could be improving. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, and we're speaking with Dalaur Syed, the president and CEO at Lumiata. We're talking about the, how the company is is helping uh, drive, hopefully, drive down the cost of healthcare for really the end user for us. Um, and and so, Dalaur, I'm also curious if if an insurance company, you know, healthcare provider in that regard, is able to provide. You are providing better data, better analytics for them to understand the customer base and drive down sort of, let's say, insurance premiums. Is there also pressure on the rest of the healthcare system, the the health other healthcare providers, to lower their costs? It's giving them more nuanced view to say, like, why are we paying this, you know, for for this type of care? Um, absolutely, and, and we were talking about healthcare because obviously they're they're large part of the industry. Um, but you could make the same argument for self-funded insurance. Um, sorry, self-funded employers. Um, you know who are who who are looking for a for a better view as to how to set aside budgets for what they may expect as um, as their employees spend prospectively on healthcare. So uh, there is there is the you know. With our technology, we're also talking to um, some folks on the on the large employer side. Um, I think um, over time, I would hope uh, that we can also inform the market in general. Um, it's not Lumiara, but the industry in general, where you could uh, be a guidance, if you will, uh, to an average consumer. Um, you know, in terms of where how much we should expect given what our risk profile is. And I think we are getting there as an industry where we will have we will understand enough about ourselves and have access to data and technology that we can provide the view. Today, we go to market as individual consumers fairly uh, unaware. Um, and even though we generate a lot of data through the health system, but that is not often the case. But well, and and Delaura, it's sort yeah. of interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I hate to be such a neophyte with this because like, you know, at the <laughs> University of Pennsylvania, I have a really pretty good, you know, insurance plan. If I have care, there's also the University of Pennsylvania hospital system where I think I may have some additional discounts if I go through them. You know, I, I, I fortunately don't have to think a lot about the costs per se because I have a, a decent plan. I'm pretty unique in that regard, I think. Not necessarily at the university, but like, it, you know, amongst the American population. But, you know, my, my mother-in-law just had a surgery last week. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, she was actually in the hospital, you know, overnight. I believe the conversation was, well, we could keep you another night, but your insurance only covers mm. one night, you know, and it really put in per- into perspective, like, is this about quality of care or is it about cost of care? Is it about, you know, what my insurance will pay for? All of these different types of dynamics. And you imagine you have a surgery, you see like, wait, 
that bedpan I didn't even use cost $3,000. You know, like what's going on there? You know, my insurance covered it. You know, you hear those types of stories. And so I'm just trying to make this concrete for our listeners too, who who are coming at it from that perspective, not just like from the, I think the, let's say, HR specialist who's buying the insurance and, you know, using the brokers. So can you help just unpack some of this for our listeners? I don't have a great question, but I'm just thinking of those types of examples. Well, I, look, I mean, you're absolutely right. There is a huge amount of inefficiency and waste uh, on the on the on the provider and hospital side. Absolutely, I think there is. Unfortunately, the incentive system when you say fee for service, which is still the primary way uh, hospitals get paid, um, that that you know that they, there is no incentive to make sure that they're being more efficient. Uh, but I think that's also changing. I think people are seeing that because. You know, um, if you look at the Affordable Care Act and some of the reform agenda from government, which has lost the momentum for sure, but there is a conversation about value-based, um, you know, payments and so forth. Insurance companies are also pushing. So I, I do think some of the ways that you see and you wonder, you know, why did that? You know, why was in your case, you know, your mother-in-law's case, why was some some of these equipment being used that that was never really put to use and so forth? That would hopefully lower, you know, the the, the cost of her stay and so forth. Um, you know, but I would say, you know, I'll also say that the, the, the fact that you felt that in your family situations, the insurance company was questioning, or you were, there were questions about whether or not she would be able to stay another day or two, that is a result of again having benefit plans and pricing in a in a way that is that doesn't make use of of technology. Like if, and I think you know we are in a situation where. The the if you were the risk would have been appropriately stratified, I do think you would probably see less of those scenarios um, because a lot of times insurance companies are caught unaware. There is a there's a very rigid uh, approach uh, to these you know unfortunate situations, and that's what we're hoping we can change. And some of that is possible. I hope that answers your question. Um, I'm happy to go back yeah. to visit if, if I missed a part of it. No, I th- I think it did right. So at the end, going back to Catherine's initial point, like how does this affect sort of the end user? Your hope is that you know by insurance companies having better access to these data and analytics, stratus, uh, uh, spreading the risk around that those individual decisions, like should I stay in the hospital one more night or not, and what might be the cost to me, could be alleviated by by a company like Lumiata. We are we are one of the one of the solution providers that can hopefully make that happen, and I think we are making that happen. Um, that's that's certainly the. Um, that's certainly the, the path we are on. I would also say, you know, as you work with you know various of these uh, customers, we are seeing there is an increasing desire on their part to be more, you know, seeing how can we intervene uh, when we can see there is a potential for a certain onset or a certain you know scenario coming up with a patient, um, you know, a disease progression. Could we be more proactive in providing care management so that you avoid the situation of a hospital stay? By the way, we have that ability today as as technology, um, uh, uh, but we but that but that is not implemented uh, by a lot of these large companies because they don't make use of um, of, of advanced technology. I mean, many of these back offices, if you will, they are still using 30, 40 year old technology, and there is there is no reason why we should be caught so unaware unless you know it's a, it's a very uh, unforeseen situation, and that creates an incredible opportunity to do care management in a much much more proactive way. So long journey ahead for sure. Next time, you know, I don't think all of these cases will be resolved. This again. We spend three point four trillion in the country. This is the biggest, um, biggest of our, I would say, public challenge as a nation. 
But you know, but again, you know, we we, we got to start to address this. There's some good work happening, and suddenly we're doing our bit. So, um, and uh, as Delaware, as we're talking about Lumiata, um, and I think for our, our listeners, you tell me if I've got this right. I mean, I think that at the uh, you know, my my understanding is that the heart of your business is the recognition that we have much more healthcare data, much more data on uh, individuals that that will allow us to project. I'm I'm presuming quite accurately what kind of healthcare incidents uh, and challenges individuals may have, and if we can do a better job of predicting that, we can do it. A better job of cutting costs, and we can also ultimately do a better job of you know preventing some of these these things um, is is that how we should understand the role of you know the the emphasis on AI and data in your business Yes, yeah, so we generate so when you and I go through any health scenario, we generate a ton of data the moment we step into a clinic. Uh, then how our claims go through the veins of the uh, of a large health plan, if you will. Uh, but unfortunately, all of that information, whether it's your um, you know uh, your EMR and your claims and your labs and prescriptions, they're all in silos. They, they don't get put together. They're not even clean and cleansed. There right. is, you know, we we look at stuff that is incredible. Birth dates that don't make sense. Genders that are misclassified. Um, so so. Yes, absolutely. You know, and by the way, we are also not generating data if you wear an Apple Watch. And I know that's not necessarily a every household uh, uh, you know, products yet, but wherever are changing, we are we will be generating data as we walk. Uh, you know, that should be better used for our healthcare in a more proactive manner. My Apple um, Watch so continuously is- tells me, like, Move, hey, Nick. <laughs> well, it tells me to stand up, but it also is like, That's right. you're walking right now. And I'm like, yes, but please stop telling me. <laughs> but it also tells you some useful things. and uh, But there's, again, there's an opportunity for their you know, for innovation there. So, uh, But it's unfortunate that the gap between how much data we generate, and we have been generating even before Apple Watch, like for decades, and... and um, you know, um, and, and what is really leveraged um, to predict both just what uh, sort of care management path you should be on or how the cost could be appropriated, that, that there's a huge gap there. So, so yes, you, you put it very aptly. That's, that's at the heart of what we are doing. Um, and obviously that gets informed to both employers and other organizations to be able to, you know, better um, optimize or, or, or manage. Thank you. Again, a great, great clarification. And as you say, um you know, it's it, it's exciting to, again. It's exciting to hear positive news about, you know, where where healthcare may be going in this country. Since you know, many, uh, I mean, it's kind of remarkable that on a variety of health indicators, we're not doing very well. You know, the country is doing worse. Uh, you know, from for segments of the population. Well, it's life health expectancy. outcomes, life expectancy, and then out of pocket, right? Like the actual costs, right? Maternal and you know, the shocking numbers on on uh, um, maternal death. Um, following childbirth, it's just whoa! How is this happening in this country? So um, it's it's good to get a, a breath of there's real possibility through technology to make something more positive. Uh, Delauer, I'm you know one of the things that we talk about you know as as we've talked about um, on uh, when, when we when Nick and I were fortunate enough to meet you out in California, um, and one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show is is impact investing, and the you know the increasing number of uh, firms, funds, investors who are saying, you know, I'd really like to invest in companies that I believe in, not just companies that are going to make money, but uh, companies right. that, that have a, a social good. And um, 
you know, you talk, uh, and uh, you know, the if, we, if one were to go to your the Lumiata website, we'd see, um, you know, major investors, Coastal Ventures, Blue Cross Blue Shield Ventures, uh, Intel Capital, and others. What has been your experience? Is you know, to what extent um, are investors coming to Lumiata because of the financial performance? Does impact make a difference? It's, I'd love to hear your perspective and experiences as you know, a CEO. It's a great question, and I I would say you know, there are two types of investors: investors who are very focused on returns, and obviously that's what investors do by by definition for most part. But also when you have you know investors who've had um, you know a large track record, if you will, uh, you know there is a, a pattern recognition, and they they, they they have seen what the scale of a business can do in terms of transforming a certain uh, public issue and a public challenge. I, I do think. That there is a there is a there is a skill that they develop to be able to see well we can actually change change the world in a better way and we are fortunate to have both of that you know we I think with Coastal Adventures um, you know to uh, you know as you probably know his background has done some great things in his career um, you know he's very focused on broader uh, how does he how does it shape if you will. Uh, the Berlin is significant way. Healthcare is a, one of its big initiatives, uh, and there's moonshots, right? Uh, that in the course of ventures invested. So while of course the venture investing um, is the core, but by that theme, what does it mean in some cases as well? Where people like him and say, well, what can we do? How can we change things for the better? How can we make bets that a government cannot make or a large company cannot make, right? Because they have public pressures and PNL and just the cultural DNA, right, that comes in the way. Um, um, and, and here, you know, we, we have the ability to invest in some new technology at early stage uh, with some really passionate people. And, you know, the Valley and around the world now, including in Philadelphia, is full of great stories where a small team, uh, you know, that has come in and and changed, uh, made big things happen and also had social change in the, in the process. So I do think um, there is a, an element of that. Now, let me also say this, as a CEO, and founders, if you will, you also have a role to play. Uh, you have to constantly remind yourself and your teams and your customers um, uh, and your investors what your mission is and what are you here to do. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that plays probably the biggest role to making sure that we are getting the smart money, if you will, to scale up businesses and that we all work together as a team, obviously to deliver on business goals, but also to make a broader change. Because... Um, you know that plays a huge role in also motivating folks to go on and and execute with uh, with excellence because they're working on something much larger. You look at our team here, you know it's a passion team of engineers and data scientists and product leaders. They all came here energized to help um, solve this healthcare crisis. That's what they came here for, primarily. All, almost everybody had a story about insurance issue in their families and so forth, and um, that plays a big role. So. You know, yes, investors um, have an angle there, uh, but I think it's also my job uh, to make sure we stay true to our mission and we attract those investors who care about broader impact. Uh, fortunately, there are quite a few of them out there, and many of them, you know, looking to play a role in healthcare. And so, Delauer, in our last minute or so, um, you know, you that was a great sort of o- overview of sort of like the role of the private sector um, and like you as a CEO, what maybe investors can be thinking about. Um, you have also had the opportunity to, you know, be an advisor to a president. And so if, you know, someone high level in government came to you and said, where should we be focusing? How can, like, what could we actually be doing? What would you advise them on? You know, what, you know, you seem relatively optimistic. What would you advise them on? 
Well, I'm optimistic because I, I wouldn't have any other way, <laughs> given what we're facing. Um, so quite frankly, Nick, it's not one thing. Uh, this is a continuum. It's a long play. Uh, we had a great start with the Affordable Care Act. Clearly, there's a lot of challenges there. The focus on cost hasn't been addressed. So I would I would keep chipping away at the challenges by looking at how can we improve things. We have seen that country as a whole uh, is by and large in behind, let's say, coverage for pre-existing conditions or for making sure that you know, um, you know, young young adults stay on their parents' plan and so forth. So, so this is when you when you have such a large, sizable chunk of the economy, um, you know that 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 needs to be reformed um, in this in this space in healthcare. You know, it's it's a long play. It, this is something that will span across administration. So, my my if you will humble suggestion would be that we cannot go throw the mental towel and uh, and and give give up. Uh, this, this whole reform reform agenda around healthcare. So let's keep working. Let's identify issues that we can address. Let's bring all stake, stakeholders. There is a role technology can play today. Uh, we are seeing from our shop where you can be part of the solution. So, but there has to be political will, and I think some of that is hopefully coming through from from the electorate on both sides, if you yeah. will, of the aisle. Right. So I hope that brings enough momentum for us to stay on this track of reform. It will take some time, but we will get there. Well, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. We've been speaking with Dalaur Syed, the president and CEO at Lumiata, a healthcare analytics company. Uh, we are going to take a short break, but when we get back, we're going to continue the conversation, and we would hope that you can join us. Give us a ring at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Perhaps you have been talking about healthcare in your family, or you, you're working on an innovation in this area. Maybe you're just working on a startup and you have a question for us. So give us a ring. We're going to take a short break, but stick with us. This is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM one thirty two. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.